the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and today's episode is going to cover NFL draft grades for the NFC. We will go through every team in the conference, evaluate their draft picks, and hand out a letter grade at the end. And I'll be doing this with the help of our old friend, Matthew Friedman, who already uh, broke down the AFC very eloquently for us. He's the director of content at Fantasy Pros, Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter. Matt, thanks for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always good to catch up. Yes, sir. All right, let's jump right into this because, um, you know, I thought the the we're going to start with the NFC East, and I thought the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, it seemed like a situation where, you know, they, they went to the Super Bowl, a little bit depleted, but now they come out of the draft and it almost looks like the rich get richer. Uh, what did you think of the Eagles draft class for 2023? As, uh, you know, someone who's an analyst, I was not in awe, but just like I was I was thrilled, like I was giddy. I like seeing NFL teams do intelligent things um, as someone who roots for the Cowboys. I hated it um, <laughs> because I, I feel like they're just going to dominate that division, uh, you know, in that conference for years. But man, it was absolutely amazing. A plus for what the, the Eagles did, you know, Jalen Carter defensive tackle out of Georgia. And by the way, like Georgia's become like the de facto pipeline to Philadelphia, which is just unreal. And then, you know, they're also getting players from Alabama too. Like if you just look at that roster, the number of players from Georgia and Alabama, it's like 20% of the roster. It, it's, it's unbelievable, but getting Jalen Carter uh, with a top 10 pick when he could have gone, you know, conceivably anywhere from like number one to number five, you know, fantastic value there and getting Nolan Smith, Right. Mm -hmm. There was the conversation of like, hey, if Jalen Carter isn't there at number number 10, maybe the Eagles take Nolan Smith. And so to get Nolan Smith at number 30, it's just like, what is the NFL doing? All right. And then after that, getting Alabama offensive tacker, tackle Tyler Steen, getting him in the third round. Uh, you know, he's got some uh, inside outside versatility. Maybe he doesn't play as a tackle in the NFL, but he can probably play as a guard pretty quickly if they want him to. After that, getting Illinois safety, Sidney Brown, uh, you know, a four-year starter in the Big Ten, uh, you know, who fills a position of need there. Uh, and they got him a little bit of a discount. And then the guy they really got at a discount was Georgia cornerback Keely Ringo. You know, so the number one, cornerback on the best defense in college for the past two years who's got fantastic athleticism great length they got him in the fourth round and then in the sixth round stanford quarterback tanner mckee who you know maybe could have gone in the third round you know a really smart quarterback getting him like he could be a long-term backup for them uh so to get him in the sixth round is just I think fantastic value there you just look at what they're doing and you know when they need to move up they do it a little bit and they do it without spending a lot of draft capital. And then they stay put and they let the board fall to them. Just it's like a masterclass in drafting. Not so much because the Eagles did any one thing that was absolutely brilliant in terms of maneuvering, but they just let the league make mistakes. And then they punish the league every opportunity they could for those mistakes. Yeah, and, and I love it, too, because they already had a, a very good infrastructure, especially on defense of, you know, now they can kind of like Carter, you know, he, he's not just coming in and he doesn't have to carry the defense. You know, Nolan Smith doesn't have to carry the defense. You know, th those those guys, they took it on day three in the secondary. You know, they're going to be playing with, uh, you know, Slay and, and, and Bradbury. So they're not going to have to, you know, do too much either. So I, I like the way these guys, you know, you might get help from these these guys this year they're that good but um it's it's not going to be rushed and i think they're they're right back in that you know kind of sitting pretty to, to go out there and win the nfc again so yeah i, I really liked uh what they did as well uh, all right let's talk about uh my squad the new york giants uh and uh, I, I know our coach brian dable apparently uh initiated a trade so that's what everyone <laughs> seems to be talking about but overall you know the giants i thought the first three rounds were were uh 
we're not bad for them. You know, they go Deontay Banks, the corner uh, in round one. Uh, they, of course, they, they trade up for Jalen Hyatt uh, in round three, the wider out of Tennessee. What did you think of the G-men? Yeah, gave them a B. You know, I, I think a, a solid performance. You know, they entered the draft with some clear needs and they were able to address those needs you know, with the big money picks in the top three rounds. So, you know, really needed a cornerback, uh, you know, to help with Wink Martindale's scheme there. Uh, and they got, I think, a, a fantastic uh, athletic, long, you know, press man cornerback and Deontay Banks out of Maryland. And then in the second round, you know, to help their offensive line to anchor it, you know, center John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. And then you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. You know, earlier in the process, you know, there were thoughts that maybe he could go in round one. Uh, I don't think he had quite the athletic profile for that. And, I, you know, I think there are questions about where he's going to play specifically. He was a vertical slot at Tennessee. I don't think he really profiles so much as a slot receiver in the NFL, you know, maybe more of the outside field stretcher. Um you know, and, and plus New York just has like a thousand slot oh wide my God, so many. already, yeah. you know, so I don't think he's, he's going to play there. So there, you know, some questions about where he might play, but I think in the third round, he presented really good value. And then in the fifth round, they got running back Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, who I think could be a, a really strong backup to Saquon Barkley. So, you know, I think it was a, a solid draft. You know, they let the draft fall to them for the most part. Getting John Michael Schmitz in the second round, that was a really strong value pick there, and it fills a position of need. So I think they were very solid across the board. Nothing that they did that makes you say, like, oh, this was an extraordinary pick, but it was very solid. Yeah, that, that was kind of my thinking as well. You know, they're, they're kind of ahead of schedule last year, but they had clear needs at corner, clear needs on the interior line, uh, and clear need, you know, for a playmaker, and, and they, they got those things. So, you know, it's still going to be tough to compete with Philly, but, uh, you know, pretty solid draft overall for the G-men. Uh, let's talk Washington here. You know, Washington, they've been kind of floating around. They had that 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 year in, in, in the pandemic year where they won a division, but it uh, hasn't been as good since then. Uh, they go with uh, Emmanuel Forbes, the corner out of Mississippi State, uh, with the 16th overall pick. Uh, what did you think of the commanders? You know, when I was doing my original grades, I gave them a C. But now that I'm thinking about this more, I, I kind of want to knock them down a little bit. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit more like D plus here. And, uh, you know, the reason why is that Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback they took in the first round, like he fits a position of need. But he wasn't the top cornerback on the board. And I'm just skeptical in general of, you know, a cornerback who's 166 pounds really being able to have sustained NFL success. So I feel like they reached with Emmanuel Forbes. You know, maybe he could have gone in the bottom half of round one, you know, end of round one, and that would have been fine. But I think they reached with Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, and then, you know, I would say if you are thinking that you're going to go into the season, and be competitive with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett as your two quarterbacks, like you're probably mistaken. And they had the chance to take Will Levis at number 16 and they opted not to, you know, maybe they could have traded down a little bit and still taken Levis later in the first round. That would have at least given them a shot of like, Hey, let's see if this guy can be our quarterback and can kind of turn around our franchise Instead, you know, they're they're going in with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. And so I feel like not addressing the quarterback position when they had the chance to do so in the first round, uh, I feel like that's a pretty big mistake there. So uh, because they took Emmanuel Forbes, I think, reached there and they didn't take a quarterback, I'm going to go with the D plus. Yeah, I, you know, I think this is another one that – I'm probably not as down on them as you. I, I, my thing with Levis though, is I actually don't think he's that good. I think there was a reason he fell. So I'm not going to knock them for taking him, you know, 17 picks higher than he ultimately went, you know, cause they, it, I remember last year, you know, a lot of people were looking at the Dotson pick and saying, well, he wasn't even the best wide receiver on the board. And that was kind of a reach. And I think that turned out. Okay. So, I mean, I, I do think, you know, ultimately yeah is does Brissett and Howell kind of limit your ceiling yeah but Brissett was I mean pretty good last year you know I think he could be a fine bridge quarterback I don't think they were gonna like I don't think Will Levis was gonna change the course of the franchise is I guess what I'm saying so I'm not gonna knock him that much they did fill some needs um th this could look better but it's just it's just a tough division I mean this division especially now with the Giants being competent um you know it's gonna be tough to compete so um I, I see where I see where you're going there but yeah I'm not quite as down on them for not taking Levis. I just, I don't have a high opinion uh, of him. Uh, the 
Cowboys, your Cowboys. Um, I see that you are, uh, you're not really feeling it, man. You're not really feeling the, the Cowboys draft this year. Tell us why. Do, I mean, are they my Cowboys anymore? It's kind of at the point <laughs> where I kind of want to abandon them. I mean, I'm, oh, no. I'm never going to, but uh, I mean, why do I punish myself uh, by cheering for a team that gets a solid F in my, my draft grades here? Now, like, okay, in the first round, they could have taken, uh, they could have taken a tight end. There are a lot of positions they could have drafted there. They took Michigan defensive tackle, Mozzie Smith. They took him about a round uh, or, you know, a half round earlier than they needed to. So, like, you spent your first round pick taking a guy too high and taking him at a, a position defensive tackle, which isn't all that impactful. And then in the second round, in if it's not the greatest tight end class in terms of prospects that we've ever seen, it's certainly up there. And in a class that strong, Instead of taking anyone else, you took uh, Luke Schoenmacher, who is 25 years old, like, and not all that great of an athlete. Like, what are we doing? I mean, he's fine athletically, but like, in a class that was like full of awesome athletes at the position, you took this guy. It's not like he was hugely productive in college. Uh, why? Like, why? Why did you do that? And then in the third round, they took an off-ball linebacker who was sort of like a safety linebacker tweener and you took him higher than you needed to. So that's your first three picks. You just totally wasted, in my opinion, your first three picks, or you at least invested them in a highly suboptimal way. Everything you do after that, like fourth round on, it kind of doesn't matter all that much. Now, I like what they did in the sixth round, getting Deuce Vaughn, who's sort of like the dynamo producer at the running back position out of Kansas State. Maybe he's able to turn into like a Darren Sproles type of player for them. Like, I like him as a story and like as a dude who is just like one big ball, one tiny ball of muscle, uh, but like just absolutely productive at the college ranks. But outside of that, like I'm really underwhelmed with what they did. Uh, so maybe I'm being too harsh on them, but the, the, the Mozzie Smith and the Schoenmacher picks, those just killed me. Like you, you sub optimally invested with your two highest picks there. Yeah. You know, it was, it doesn't look great for them. Um, I think, you know, Schoenmacher, the pick was probably, you know, he's 25. They probably wanted a guy who's, quote unquote NFL ready. I think he may end up starting, which yeah. I don't know. It was, it was interesting because I mean they were playing Ferguson and Hendershot a lot. I wondered if they were just going to try to, you know, because Schultz was essentially like one of those guys too. Like he was like a third stringer who worked his way up. So I didn't I didn't know if they needed to kind of address tight end in that kind of way. If they weren't going to go with like, you know, one of the top prospects anyway. So yeah, I, I do have questions about this this draft as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like you said, that they took him because he was older. And so they thought he might be more NFL ready. But, like, that's not really the way that it works. No. Like, the, the tight ends who come in older, they historically don't do as well as the tight ends who come in younger. So uh, this was this was infinitely maddening. Yeah, it. I mean, it's like I said, it's going to be a tough division. Cowboys are still uh, on FanDuel plus 170 to win the NFC East number two behind the Eagles. So, you know, could be some, if, you, if you're fading the Eagles, could be some interesting value maybe on the Giants at plus 550 because, you know, I think, I think it's going to be a, a competitive division this year. Yeah. Um, let's go to the, speaking of competitive divisions, uh, let's go to the NFC North. This one should be fun. Uh, this, 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 these draft classes were some, I was really kind of watching for because I think there's a wide range of outcomes for this division in general. So uh, let's start with the Chicago Bears, who, of course, you know, they at one point were, were in the driver's seat of the draft. They traded back. Uh, so they they start out with uh, offensive tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Uh, and then they they have a lot of picks, a lot of picks in the first couple of days. So what did you think of Chicago here? Yeah, I was interested by what they did. I'm giving them a B plus here. And so. You know, keeping in mind that they had the number one pick and then traded down, you know, they got the number nine pick, they got picks next year, they got DJ Moore 
uh, you yeah. know, as a, a wide receiver to help Justin Fields, hopefully, you know, help Fields develop into a more complete passer. I liked that move. And then they got an offensive tackle at number nine to, you know, help protect their quarterback. So Darnell Wright, you know, there are questions about, you know, whether he's just a right tackle or whether he can play on both sides. But even if he is just a right tackle, that dude was a dominant right tackle in college football last year. Like going against Will Anderson, Will Anderson didn't get anything going against Darnell Wright. So like we've seen him do it. Uh, so I was impressed by him and, you know, I feel like maybe a little bit of a reach uh, at number 10, but, you know, even, uh, you know, trading down from nine to 10, the bears were able to pick up even more draft capital and still get the guy that they would have taken. So nice move there. And then there were, you know, talks that if defensive tackle Jalen Carter uh, if he were available at number nine, the Bears would take him. Instead, you know, they traded down one pick. They let the Eagles take him. And then they took defensive tackle Gervin Dexter and defensive tackle Zach Pickens in the second and third round. So they were still able to fortify or at least add some bodies to the interior of their defensive line. Uh, in the second round, they also took Tyreek Stevenson, a really athletic cornerback out of Miami. Uh, and then in the fourth round, they took Texas running back Roshan Johnson. And so, you know, there are questions about – how impactful can a running back be? And, you know, do they really even need a running back uh, when they had Khalil Herbert there? Uh, they added Dante Foreman. But, you know, Roshan Johnson, he potentially has the the pos- like the capability of taking over that job. Like, it wouldn't be a surprise if the second half of the season we're looking at Roshan Johnson and it's like, yeah, this guy's going to be their starting running back for the next three years. You know, he was a backup behind Bijan Robinson at Texas. But, uh, you know, on a per-touch basis, he was absolutely electric. And I think he's good enough as a receiver to be able to be a, a three-down player for them. And then in the fifth round, they got Oregon linebacker Noah Sewell, uh, who's, uh, the you know, the brother of uh, Penny Sewell. So, uh, you know, he was someone entering the the season last year that people thought maybe could be the top off-ball linebacker in the class. He's not all that athletic, but he's got pretty decent football instincts, and he's kind of like your classic, uh, like, you know, run-thumping linebacker. Uh, getting him in the fifth round, I think, was pretty decent value there. So I like what they did overall in the draft. Uh, but outside of Darnell Wright, it's hard to say that they got someone who really moves the needle for them. But they added a lot of bodies, and they did that at positions of need. And I think they were able, for the most part, to do that at a value. So I, I like what they did, taking into account that they also built up a stockpile of picks for the future. Yeah, I like what Chicago did because, you know, when I look at this roster, you know, they 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 were one of those teams that they did significantly improve, improve their roster uh, through free agency and, and you know, and, and some trades as well, obviously. And you know, what they did need was a lot more depth on defense. And I think they addressed that uh, in the draft. And, you know, you're obviously betting on Justin Fields, but I, I think, you know, by getting uh, by getting some, him some protection and, uh, you know, they got it when you account for DJ Moore, I, I think this team is a real threat to win this division this year. So, you know, they're sitting there at plus 320, take that uh, for what you will. But yeah, I, I actually really liked what Chicago has been doing all off season. Uh, and now I think it just comes, I think they've put Justin Fields in a position to where yeah. the roster is good enough that they can have a real evaluation. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. Uh, all right, let's move on to another team. That's still, I think in the process of, of going to, you know, having to do some, some quarterback evaluation. That is the green Bay Packers. Uh, they start out with uh, Lucas Van Ness, the, defensive end out of Iowa at pick 13, because of course they take a defensive player in the first round. I think they've done that 12 of the last 13. What did you think of the Packers draft? Yeah. I mean, I, I probably would have gone with the wide receiver there because I, one, I think you need it. And then two, it's a sort of, you know, parting shot at Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Right. Finally, we take one. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Lucas Van Ness, like, I don't think you can find a more uh, Packers like player. I mean, this, this guy, you know, an edge defender, you know, big, powerful guy coming out of Iowa. You know, like I joked earlier uh, when we did the the live stream on Fantasy Pros uh, as the draft was happening about how, like, this guy probably wakes up in the morning and just starts eating corn. You know, like <laughs> he's like the, the total Midwest kid who would end, end up playing for the Packers. And so, like, I think he's fine as your, your first rounder. Like, you know, potentially he could have gone as high as number eight to the Falcons. So, like, this is the draft range where he should have gone. So, you know, an okay pick there. And then after that, 
the team, uh, they went tight end, Luke Musgrave, wide receiver, Jaden Reed, tight end, Tucker Craft, and then they added two more wide receivers later in the draft. Uh, now, you know, who knows how these players actually turn out, but they invested in the, in the pass catching unit. And I think Musgrave and Kraft in particular, you know, uh, after losing Robert Tunyon and free agency, they were very thin at the tight end position. And so getting both of those guys who, you know, either one individually, I would have thought, Oh, that's a, a pretty nice addition here, but they, you know, kind of did the, uh, you know, the thing that we saw the Ravens do multiple seasons where they're adding two tight ends in the draft. And we saw, you know, the the Patriots do this with Gronk and Hernandez back in the day, like just kind of like, you know, shooting your shot twice on this position in a loaded tight end class. Uh, I think that was a pretty intelligent way to do it. And then Jaden Reed, you know, he's an intriguing guy. He's he's not big, but I feel like he's going to be kind of the Randall Cobb function. You know, that's the type of player that he is. He was productive early in college at Western Michigan and then transferred to Michigan State, was really productive there. He's got some return capabilities. Uh, I could actually see him sort of being, uh, in a couple of years, like the number one wide receiver on this offense. If they're like kind of uh, funneling the ball through the slot position, like I think he's probably the the better like more consistent wide receiver comparing him to Christian Watson like Watson's more the playmaker but I, I think Reed could be the guy that they actually consistently can move the ball through so uh intrigued by what they did there I think it was smart to uh you know load up on all of those pass catchers uh so uh yeah B plus I think is, is a pretty solid grade for them yeah, I like what the Packers did as well. I mean, the, the my least favorite move the Packers made this offseason was bringing back uh, Joe Barry at defensive coordinator because that defense seems to continuously underperform despite a lot of talent on that side of the ball. But I'm looking at this Packers team. It's just kind of the same way I look at this Bears team. It's like you're plus 410 to win the NFC North at Fanduel. That's, you know, the fourth out of the four teams. I think this Bears team and the Packers team we just talked about have almost just as good of a chance at winning this division uh, as you know the, the the Lions and the Vikings who we'll get to now. So uh, I thought the the the, the Packers had a, a good enough draft to to uh, to kind of put them into position to win this year. So I liked it. Yeah, I mean, at a minimum, they're putting some more bodies there at the pass catching unit to yeah. help them, you know, uh, be able to evaluate Jordan Love. All right, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings, who had such a strange season last year. I mean, they were uh, like a bottom six team in in, in a lot of advanced metrics, but uh, they ended up winning 13 games and then, of course, get ousted by the Giants in the first round of playoffs. Um, So this Viking team probably had more needs than I think, you know, the, the average casual fan, you know, looking at just their record last year might think. Uh, they go USC's Jordan Addison in the first round, uh, a wide receiver. What do you think of him, and what do you think of the overall Vikings class? Yeah, I'm giving this class a C. Um, and, you know, keeping in mind that TJ Hawkinson uh, is kind of a, a part of this class because they traded for him last year and obviously, you know, a, a playmaking uh, tight end there. Uh, Jordan Addison, he's fine, you know, uh, in terms of like the production that he gave us in, in college, you know, uh, Bolitnikov award-winning wide receiver at Pitt and then transferred to USC and regressed a little bit there. He's not big. Uh, he's not fast. You know, he's just kind of a, a, you know, presumably really good route runner. Um, I, I feel like it was a little bit of a reach. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of look at this and I'm thinking, Hey, like Vikings, did you, basically scout like only three or four schools. Yeah. You took a USC wide receiver, a USC cornerback at the top of the board. Then after that, you took a LSU defensive back and an LSU defensive tackle. And like all those players, like they're, they're fine, but there was like nothing really, you know, notable about what the Vikings did in this draft outside of drafting Jordan Addison in the first round. And I would say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Addison was like a reach, but he was kind of close to it. I feel like, you know, if he'd gone number 31, that probably would have been a little bit better. You know, he was the last of these wide receivers off of the board. Uh, and I kind of feel like I understand why he was the fourth. You know, I, I feel like this was a little bit of an instance of uh, the Vikings wanting a wide receiver in the first round and settling for the guy who fell to them. Yeah, and remember, this Vikings team, they had a negative point differential last year. Their Pythagorean win total was only 8.4. So, you know, they overperformed by almost five wins 
And, you know, only six picks in the draft. You mentioned not a lot of schools that, that, that they, they're picking out of. So, yeah, I think this there is some significant downside to this class. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too high on the Vikings. I, I know, you know, I love, you know, some of their star players, obviously, Justin Jefferson. But, um, you know, the defense was 27th in DVOA. You know, is, is Blackman and Ward, you know, those, those guys, are they going to be enough? I, I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, with Addison, um, even that that could potentially be a reach. So yeah, I'm I'm not too thrilled with the with the Vikings class, and that's why I think those teams at the bottom, like the you know the Bears and, and the Packers, have a chance to kind of uh, jump them. Uh, all right, let's finish with the Lions. Who I mean, they had a pretty they had an eventful draft here. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama at, at 12 overall. I mean, let's start there. What did you think of that? Yeah, um, that was, you know, that's a reach. In, in my opinion, that's a reach. Now, I I create a big board where I rank, you know, like the top 300 players for me in the class. And I'll say like, yeah, I had Jameer Gibbs in the 20s. So, you know, just based on that number, yeah, he should go in round one. You know, but if he didn't go in round one, I wouldn't think the NFL was making a mistake. I would just think, okay, like they're evaluating running backs in a manner that is kind of more commensurate with the value that they provide on the football field and the value that, uh, you know, they command in their contracts. Uh, and, you know, Jameer Gibbs, he's 199 pounds. You know, he's not a three down player the way that, you know, Bijan Robinson is. And so I think it's questionable taking a running back in the top 20, but if you're going to do it, Get Bijan Robinson. And that's the thing. The Lions, they had the number six pick. They could have taken Bijan Robinson if they wanted to. Instead, they traded down to 12 and took Jameer Gibbs, which, like, okay, at least you're like picking up some draft capital on moving back from six to 12. But what this kind of signals to me, like, there were rumors that there were teams that actually had Gibbs ahead of Robinson on their draft board. Mm hmm. I think the Lions like Gibbs more than they liked Robinson, which like that on its own kind of terrifies me. But the fact that you took a 199 pound running back at number 12, that just like screams, I don't want to say of incompetence, but like of something like of not even desperation, but just like of a, a change of philosophy in terms of how they have been doing their drafts up to this point. And then to follow that up, at number 18 with Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. Now, like, I like Campbell. Like, I think he will he will be, if, like, the worst, a serviceable starter. But, like, he could be, like, a Pro Bowl type of off-ball linebacker. But I don't think you take that at number 18, you know? So I'm really conflicted about what they did in the first round. And here's a way of thinking about it. We talked about the Eagles at the top of the show. The Eagles took at number 9 and number 30. Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. The Lions could have done the exact same thing. If the Lions had taken Jalen Carter at number six and then Nolan Smith at number 18, everyone would be talking about how the Lions dominated the draft, right? They could have done that. And instead, they took a running back and a linebacker. And even though I like those players, it just doesn't match up with the value on the board. Now, here's the thing. After that, and I would say, if you screw up your two first round picks, like I'm going to ding you pretty hard. But after that, I actually really like what they did with their draft. They got Iowa tied in, Sam Laporta in the second round. That dude is a baller. Uh, you know, the Iowa offense was bad the past two years. And Laporta was productive within that offense as the number one receiver in that offense. So like we saw him produce in college and the dude is an athlete. Like we've seen Iowa produce athletes at the tight end position. He's like the next guy in that string. And then Alabama defensive back. I think he's a safety, but maybe he's a slot corner. Either way, Brian Branch, that guy could have gone in the first round, was widely mocked in the first round. You're able to get him in the second round, tremendous value. And then third round, Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker. There was, you know, some hype about him maybe going in round one. That would have been a big reach. Getting him round three, he's not going to play this year. He's old. He's got, you know, the ACL injury. And he played in an offense that was extremely limited. And there are questions about how that will transition to the NFL. But getting him in round three, sure. Do that all, all day when your quarterback is Jared Goff. And there are questions about whether he's going to be with your team next year. So, 
I think they totally screwed up on day one. I think they were awesome on day three, on day two, except for Western uh, Western Kentucky defensive tackle Broderick Martin. They took him at pick 96. Nah, he's more of a fifth rounder. So, like, again, they've reached there. But the heart of day two, I thought they absolutely dominated. So their class as a whole, I feel like it's okay. But I'm sorry, if you screw up so royally on day one, I'm going to ding you for it because you have the opportunity. Aaron Rodgers is no longer in your division. If you crush day one, you could rule the NFC North for the next decade. And instead, you took a running back and an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, and, and I do I do agree with you. I think it it did signal this kind of change. And I think that the change was, I, I think they, you know, because of being ahead of schedule last year, I think that kind of played into how they approached it because they seemed like another guy, another team with, they had a lot of swings, but instead of necessarily playing the value um, at, at, at least early on, they kind of just took their guys. And, but the interesting was thing was to your point, they then did get some great values uh, on the next day. So it, it's kind of, it is kind of hard to, um, to evaluate. Uh, and, you know, I guess they made the Gibbs pick also knowing they would trade Deandre Swift at some point, which, which factors in as well. So, I mean, this is one, it, it could probably look better than it does right now. If Gibbs is, you know, dynamic and, and Campbell kind of fills that whole, uh, you know, at linebacker. So, you know, for me, I'm not going to, I don't think I'd go as well as like, I, I think I'd still give it in the C's because I, I do think that it's, it's high upside enough to, to give Detroit, you know, that division title. But I, I still do think that the bears and, you know, I agree with you that the bears and the Packers uh, both had better drafts, but I, I kind of, I'd probably put Detroit above Minnesota, to be honest with you uh, in, in this draft, just because of the amount of picks and the fact that they did get pretty good values uh, on day two. Yeah, like if you're if you're looking at it in a vacuum, I I would agree with you. For me, this is about like the disappointment of what you've done in the past and what that signaled and what you could have done in round one. You know, like you could have absolutely dominated and you had this opportunity. You've been building with these first round picks. You've been building to this moment and then you let the opportunity go. Yeah. I mean, Detroit, you know, they don't dominate though. They Detroit, the, the Detroit lions are, will never dominate. They'll always be, they'll always kind of squeak by with just enough. It's like, you know how Barry Sanders just got out of that broken tackle. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, like that's, that's Detroit, man. He, like the, every game versus the Vikings for the next 30 years is going to be like a three point game where one of the teams is up like 20 and then the other one comes back. So yeah, well, get it. It's, it was on brand. It was on brand. It was on brand. Yeah. That, you're, <laughs> you're accurate. It will always be like that because they took a running back and a linebacker. Hey, my, my biggest thing about Detroit, man, how y'all, how y'all let y'all, the, the heart and soul of the team, Jamal Williams go that, that, that hurt, man. I, I thought, I thought, yeah. I thought he gave them a little extra edge, but uh, we, we shall see. Uh, all right, let's go to Carolina, you know, first pick of the draft, Bryce Young. I thought that was the right pick. I've said that. Uh, for a while now, I, I think, you know, I know there's size limitations. I, I get that. But at the end of the day, for me anyway, you know, I, I see every year how, you know, all of us from, you know, you know, from the top experts to, to people that are just kind of like moderately interested in the draft, get these quarterback evaluations wrong. And to me, like Bryce Young was the surest thing, you know, size be damned as, as far as just the talent, the processing uh, in the draft. So I like that pick. But uh, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I gave them a B. You know, I think Bryce Young was the top quarterback. Um, I mean, the size limitations, we just have to see, you know, like he will he will be an outlier in the NFL. It's not even so much the the height. It's mm -hmm. it's the build. It's the weight. Right. You know, I know that he was 204 at the combine. <laughs> that dude's not 204 pounds. You know, like he's, he's going to be playing probably in the 190s. Uh, and so we just kind of have to see, um, you know, but what we saw from him in college was dynamic uh, and I think if you're going to trade up to number one, uh, he was the guy to do it for. And so the Panthers, they made it happen. Uh, and so they traded away a lot of draft capital now and in the future to go get their guy so that they would no longer be in quarterback purgatory as they, they have been for the past few seasons. Uh, but, you know, after that, it's basically a, I mean, I would say it's a nothing class, but, you know, you have Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver from Mississippi. They took him uh, near the top of the second round. That was a little bit of a reach, but you know, like, okay, like you're getting your guy a wide receiver, right? Like that wide receiver room in Carolina, I think is one of the, the least inspiring 
in the yeah. It could go, yeah. it could go bad if, if Thielen is like yeah. the Thielen from the last few weeks. And I know, I know he was getting open a little bit more than maybe he got the ball, you know, Cousins started to lock on a Jefferson, which understandable, but I mean that now there's another year passing another off season. He could still go downhill. And then Chark has never been able to be a consistent threat in this league. So yeah, that, that room, I, I agree with you. That could go bad. And they still have all those like subpar tight ends as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at least you got a pass catcher for your, your quarterback, you know, but then they have only three picks after that. So, you know, this draft class pretty much is Bryce Young. And so I'm giving them a B for, you know, taking the initiative to go up there and get their quarterback and, and hopefully he pays off for the future. But, you know, they had to give away DJ Moore to do it. And, yeah. you know, I have a lot of respect for DJ Moore. I mean, that guy is still young and he's been in the league for five years, you know? So uh, I, I think that this class is a B for me, but this class pretty much is just Bryce Young. Yeah, I, I think we're going to look back at the Panthers. And, and believe me, I love Bryce Young, but, you know, this is a team that I, I kind of, uh, I, I thought they were a little bit undervalued down the stretch last year. You know, they had the coaching change and I, a lot of the elements that, like, you know, kind of made them better down the stretch last year are gone now. Like they got a whole new coaching staff. Um, you know, they, they get rid of DJ Moore. you know, they're not going to have the same, you're not Foreman was a major tone setter for them, uh, in the backfield, you know, so they, they kind of, they, they switched it up to where, I mean, this young pick better, not just hit, like it better be out of the park for them because I, I agree. I think, um, they didn't, they probably didn't improve as much as I, I think people thought they might, you know, getting, getting that number one pick. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think, I think my, my thing, you know, Stucky called me the Panthers whisperer last year. Cause like, I was just betting on them as underdogs pretty much ever since they uh, got rid of Matt rule, which yeah. I feel like that was a fair strategy. Um, I, now I think the market's going to be too high on them. So I'll probably be fading them, uh, this year, but, uh, let's go to the, this is another interesting division, uh, wide open, I, I, I would say. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady retires. So, you know, the quarterback situation a little bit in flux, but, you know, not, you know, by the time they're picking it at 19, you know, I guess you could say they could have had a uh, Levis, but uh, another one of those teams that just it's like, nope, not going to be us. Uh, they go with uh, Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh, defensive tackle. What did you think of him and what do you think of the class overall? I like Cancy. Now, in terms of defensive tackles, he is small, right? Like one of the the shortest, um, slightest, short-armed defensive tackles that you will ever see. But the dude tore up the combine. Like he, I would say he compensates for the lack of size with near otherworldly athleticism. And in that way, he's pretty comparable to Aaron Donald and it's, you know, maybe a coincidence. They both went to Pittsburgh. So, you know, people have made that comparison. I don't think he has the strength of Aaron Donald, but you know, he's got some of that athleticism. And so pairing him next to Vita Vea, like that will help compensate for his lack of size. And like from the interior, the dude is a dynamic pass rusher. Uh, and so even though he plays a devalued position, like defensive tackle, because he's a pass rusher, like a, a real, like a legit pass rusher from the interior, there is the possibility that he can actually be a force on that defensive line. Uh, and then, you know, uh, they, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took after that in the second round, North Dakota State offensive guard, you know, offensive lineman, whatever, uh, Cody, Cody Mock, um, who, I mean, he was a tackle at, in FCS, um, but that guy is just, he can play all over, you know, like he even took snaps at center uh, at the senior bowl to kind of show that he could do it. Uh, they're probably going to put him in at right guard right away to replace Shaq Mason. That guy is really intriguing. Like he, he plays with the nastiness, right? Like he, he's missing his two front teeth and he's like intentionally not gotten them replaced. Like he just wants to like show that like, he's this nasty type of ball player. Uh, so like, I like those two guys, but you know, B minus because you're going into the season with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask as your quarterbacks. You had the chance to address the quarterback position and you chose not to like as, as great as the rest of your roster kind of is right. I mean, they, they had a Super Bowl winning roster a couple of years ago. A lot of those guys are still on the team as great as your roster is. You have a hole at quarterback. You had the opportunity to address it and you didn't. So B minus. Yeah. And let's not forget. I mean, they had that quarterback last year and they were a 500 ish team. So yeah. it's like, yeah, those two, we're, we're, we're removed now from the, that Super Bowl team. Um, my concern and 
I do like that they didn't come into this draft and say we have to overcompensate for the fact that we don't have a quarterback. I, I like that they didn't, you know, just go a bunch of offensive players and, and try to, you know, like they, they know the kind of strength of their team and that there's probably, you know, they needed to improve the line on offense. But for the most part, you know, they 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 kind of reinforced their defense. But I look at this this offense now just in – I don't know if they have enough speed, especially playing, you know, half your games in humid Tampa Bay. Like I, you know, like Mike Evans isn't fast. Godwin's not fast. The quarterback's not fast. The tight ends aren't fast. The line is not really that fast. Like I, you know, this is one of those, like this offense could be one of those offenses that they're like, they're like they're scoring like seven, 10, 13 every game, you know? So they're really going to need that defense and and, and those picks to hit. So like, that's, that's kind of my concern. Like I, I, I like that they didn't, go overboard on offense, but I could have used some more speed in there somewhere. Um, so that, that, yeah, that's, that's my concern with the bucks. Yeah. I would say at least they didn't step on the landmine of uh, drafting a running back, you know, yeah. like, uh, Oh, we, we let uh, our, our big bodied running back go. We're going to need to replace him with a top 100 pick. Uh, at least they didn't do that. Yeah. But yeah, but now they, yeah, it's still though. It's just a very unspeedy. Like, I mean, like imagine they played the chiefs. Like that's what I'm saying. You know, like that chiefs defense, even with all those unproven guys, like I feel like they would just eat this, this bucks offense for lunch because they don't have no speed. Yeah. So uh, maybe they make a move who, who knows, but uh, yeah, that, that's this whole division. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of flaws uh, to put it lightly uh, in this uh, NFC South. Let's go with the New Orleans Saints, the favorite uh, to win this division. Now the Saints, uh, of course, um, you know, they they get some uh, some compensation for, for Sean Payton, but uh, they they they're still not picking until the end of the first round. They go with uh, Brian. Brice- uh, how do you say that? Is it Brisse or is it? Uh, I think Brisey or Brisse. I've heard either one of those. OK, yeah. Brian Brisey, uh defensive tackle out of Clemson at, at uh, one thirty. And then they have uh, Isaiah Foskey, the defensive end out of Notre Dame at 209 and, and those were positions that I think they did need to address because um I, I feel like their their entire uh defensive front almost went to like Carolina and Atlanta uh, yeah. this offseason so they did they did have some they kind of did uh, address needs early on what did you think of of the Saints draft yeah uh C plus you know I would say with Bruce and Foskey as you mentioned they definitely addressed positions of need they may be reached a little bit with both of those guys but they were kind of in the the general range of you know acceptability um in the third round they took a running back uh kendra miller out of tcu now like i like miller but i would say you don't need to take a running back in the third round i know maybe you're a little bit worried about like alvin kamara he's aging uh possibly facing a suspension uh you know jamal williams as as the backup running back there but i would say like with those two guys I don't think you really need to to spend a third rounder on Kendry Miller. Like you've got other needs now, at least, you know, they, they took a guard in the fourth round. They also took, uh, I would say developmental quarterback, Jake Hayner in the fourth round. And like, he's kind of intriguing to me as a guy that maybe they develop uh, behind Derek Carr for a couple of years, but you know, kind of underwhelming draft. Like, you know, I think you were fine in in the, the first two rounds, uh, and, and C plus there, but after that, not really anything that is extraordinary. And I would say like, maybe you didn't really use your third round pick the way that you should have. Yeah. You know, Saints are team, like it's, they're kind of just by default, the favorite in this division, but I, I, I see, and this is another team. I, I believe Dennis Alice has never gone over their season win total in, in like his four years of <laughs> starting the year as a team's head coach. So take that for what you will, but I, Saints, another team that I think could be a little overrated, Problem is uh, one of the teams that I thought would be a little underrated leaving this draft was the Falcons, but I don't know how to feel about it. Cause I know Bijan Robinson is a great player. I hear it, but I, I, I can't get behind a team with this many holes still taking a running back at eight. And, and, and listen, they were what the, the, they were a top uh, offense last year in, in terms of DVOA running the ball. So it's not like, it's yeah. not like this team actually had a, a major hole. Like they're the number three rush offense during yeah. the regular season last year uh, by, by advanced metrics. So, I mean, essentially this team is shooting for the moon. They're saying we want to be the number one rush offense in the league and then let all the other chips fall where they may. And Hey, that could be a recipe to win this division. Cause it's not an impressive division, but I don't know. I mean, what, you know, I know you have strong opinions on this, but let's, let's talk about the, the Robinson pick first and then, and then give me the, the, the overall grade. 
Yeah. Bijan Robinson. So, you know, it, it's funny how like every, every five years people talk about how we're getting a once in every decade type of running back prospect, but you know, with Bijan Robinson, yeah, he's a fantastic player. He was, you know, a five-star recruit entering college. He dominated at Texas. Uh, you know, he's got a true three down skill set where he, you know, I think he's a better runner than Saquon Barkley was like Barkley, you know, like obviously was, dominant in college but was more of a like home run type of hitter where uh if he if he didn't break a long run maybe he wasn't really getting all that much yardage whereas i think Bijan robinson is a more consistent down to down runner uh and i think teams will prefer that a little bit and he's also a pretty good pass catcher now i will say like teams will say something like this guy isn't just a running back. He's mm-hmm. he's an all-around weapon. Like we can line him up in the slot. You know, it's like okay, that's that's a lie. Well, like, well, well. I will say this though to, to, to stop you real quick because the if one team does say that and mean it, it's the it's the Falcons because look at Cordero Patterson. Look yeah. at what they do with Kyle yes. Pitts. So that actually, I will give them some credit for that because they actually are serious when they, right. when they talk about, like Marcus Mariota was a running back playing quarterback last year. So I mean, they, they do kind of do this. No, I no, I mean, I, I agree. Now, Demir Bird was a black hole playing wide receiver. They, they know how to switch their position. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> that's the Demir Bird slander. No, I, I agree with everything. No, and the thing is, like, even if they say or they intend actually to use Bijan Robinson in the slot, some and maybe they actually will because they have Tyler Algier at running back. You know, like he's not like an actual slot receiver, right? So, like, anytime a team says something like, "Oh, he's not just a running back; he's an all-around weapon," you know that the team made a mistake. Like, they're trying to to like couch what it is that they did. So, you know, Bijan Robinson, I love him as a player. I don't think the value is actually there at number eight. That said, this was the most telegraphed pick out yeah. of any of the of the picks in in the top ten. Like it was like Bryce Young and then B, B. John Robinson going number eight yep. to, to the Falcons, right? So like I I just sort of accepted it for what it was, and then I'll say you know after that. I feel like they were okay. You know, uh, they took Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse in the second round to help strengthen that offensive line. He's got some tackle guard, you know, versatility. Um, you know, Ohio State edge rusher Zach Harrison will help a little bit on the defensive line. And then I wouldn't say, you know, it's still of the draft, but Utah quarterback Clark Phillips, you know, uh, an All-American player, they got him in the fourth round. You know, there were questions about athleticism, but, you know, I, I think he's not going to be a dynamite playmaker for them, but I think he's going to be able to slot in as a starter uh, or at least as a depth cornerback. So I think getting him in the fourth round with some value. So like, I don't hate what they did with their draft, uh, you know, outside of the fact that they took Bijan Robinson. Now, like if you are ever going to take a running back in the top 10, fine. He, like he sort of fits the mold. Like he looks like other running backs who have been taken in the top 10. Now I think almost all of those running backs shouldn't have been taken, but like I sort of get what they were doing. And if you think that Arthur Smith, you know, had success with the Titans as the offensive coordinator there, maybe you just think of Bijan Robinson as a smaller, but you know, uh, much more pass capable running back like Derrick Henry. Like maybe that's the way that you think about him and they're going to run that offense in that way. And, but Raymond, to your point about the way that we might see the Falcons do things on offense, like they are, they are kind of freaky now. Like, yes. they, you know, they've, they've got Drake London at wide receiver. They've got Kyle Pitts at tight end. You've got this sort of like all around playmaker in Corderell Patterson. You've got Tyler Algier, who was a, a pretty good running back last year as a fifth round rookie. And then you add Bijan Robinson to that. Oh, by the way, like Johnu Smith Johnu. as yep, a yep. super athletic uh, playmaking number two tight end. Like they've got some players. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together. So the Falcons, I'm giving them a C, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson. If you're going to go with the running back in the top 10, you want them to look like Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I you know it, it, this it, it's it's tough for me with this class because I, I think that overall when I look at this roster and, and it's even after the class after the draft, I still think this is the team that's sneaky to win this division. Like if you're betting uh, on any of these teams at the current values, I think it's the Falcons at plus three hundred to win this division. I don't think you want the Saints at near even money. I think the Bucks are still too far off. 
Uh, and, and the Panthers, I just think, are a little overvalued. They're they're kind of in the same um, range as the Falcons. But, you know, their offensive line is going to look pretty good. And like you said, their skill positions are freaky. And, I, you know, I guess wide receiver would have been a, a, a nice addition, but it wasn't a great wide receiver draft. And they could always – they did have success using Cordell Patterson, um, you know, in the slot, you know, even on the outside some. So if your wide receiver core is suddenly – London Patterson in the slot. And then, then you're going Mac Hollins, you know, as your third on the outside and he doesn't really have to do much, but kind of block and like catch a possession play every once in a while. Cause we know Heineke is like, you know, he's like a magic man. Like he just somehow wins games, even though he's not supposed to. So like, I, I, I think this Falcon team has some upside at least to win this division. And I don't think the draft really put, took them off course, but I, I know what you mean. It's like, with that eight pick, it just they could it feels like they could have done more and still been in a similar position. Yeah. And and Desmond Ritter kind of add him to the list. Like he's an athletic marvel in his own right. You know, I don't think he's gonna be a great passer. Uh I imagine he's not gonna start the entire season for them at you know, at some point. I think they start Ritter and then they transition to Heineke. But yeah. you know, like Ritter, like at least if you're going to run a run heavy offense, Ritter as, as a running quarterback, you know, he's got some pretty good speed. Um, at least he should help open up some some of the running lanes for them. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's go to the NFC West, and let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they trade back uh, a little bit in that first round, still get Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State, uh, at number six. What did you think of the Cardinals draft? I'm giving them an A-. minus. Now, like, keep in mind, uh, this is a, a first-year GM in Monty Austin Fort. Uh, and so, you know, coming in, uh, you know, like, it's not as if his staff, his scouts mm-hmm. have been able to uh, run the process for the entirety of this. So, you know, I think you, he and, like, all first-year GMs are a little bit disadvantaged uh, in that they're just not – they don't have their people in the building for the entirety of the scouting season. Uh, and so with that in mind, I think he did a pretty good job of kicking some of their draft capital into the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and like, it wasn't just a small thing, right. They were able to get the future first rounder for the Texans. And, you know, like I, I said on the, the AFC pod, like there's a chance that's the number one overall pick, right. Right. You know, um, and the Cardinals, they might get the number one overall pick because they they could be really bad this year. But at least with those two picks, like they give themselves multiple shots at, you know, high picks in next year's draft. Uh, and so moving from three uh, to six, you know, I think uh, they were able still to get uh, and guard Paris Johnson uh, or offensive tackle Paris Johnson, the guy that they would have taken at three. Now, I think that's a little bit rich, but fine, you get, the best offensive tackle in this class to protect your quarterback, you know, whether that's, you know, Kyler Murray at some point, or, you know, Hey, whether you move on from Kyler Murray in the future and in a loaded quarterback class next year, they can use all of that capital to get one of the top quarterbacks. You know, that would be pretty intriguing too. So they have the capability or the potential at least to do that with the capital they accumulated, but they still get Paris Johnson jr. A good left tackle in this class. They get edge rusher BJ Ojolare out of LSU. They got him in the second round. I think he's going to be a really good contributor. Um, And then in the third round, they got Stanford wide receiver, Michael Wilson, who uh, had almost no production in college because of injuries, but like who is like a a athletic, uh, you know, not like total athletic freak, but like a, a dominant like possession wide receiver, like strong at the catch point was uh, like just absolutely mossing guys um, at the senior bowl and the drills there. And so getting him as a, a third round wide receiver, I think there was some value there. So like kicking all of that draft capital into next year into a better draft so that, you know, your scouts can have a full year to be evaluating a class and getting a, a left tackle and an edge rusher in the first two rounds. I think that's pretty good process there. So a minus for the Cardinals. Yeah. Cause I think the, like, I, I don't think they move on from Kyler Murray. I don't, and I don't think they should, but you, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to figure out a way to win while paying Kyler Murray a lot of money and I think, you know, having a couple of premium picks next year, because this year is pretty much you're going to have to punt with Murray probably missing, what, half of it, yeah. um, give or take. Uh, I think, you know, they and they, they did get a lot of picks this year. So they got they took some swings. They got some guys they can develop on defense. They, I think they still need help 
uh, you know, at the cornerback position, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't hate it for Arizona. I think, you know, given the resources, this is kind of what they had to do. Uh, Seattle. Seattle's a team who I know that's one of those teams that I thought would come out of the draft looking pretty good. I think Seattle's probably a little underrated, um, you know, in this division, just given where the Rams are and where the Cardinals are. You know, it's, I, I think it's kind of them versus uh, the 49ers here. They go with Devon Witherspoon at five, the cornerback out of Illinois. You know, some people thought it might be Jalen Carter here, but uh, I mean, the Seahawks, you know, they, you know, if, they, if, 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 if uh, Witherspoon's anywhere as good as uh, the value they got out of Tariq Woolen uh, last year, I think they'll be in good shape here. But what did you think of Seattle's draft? Yeah, I'm giving them a B and I'm a little bit conflicted on, on the Seahawks. So, you know, Witherspoon was a dynamic player in college. Um, and it was a surprise to see him go number five in part because, you know, Jalen Carter was on the board there. And then also the Seahawks, they just historically have been able to find cornerbacks later in the draft who've been able to produce. They, you know, they, it's been so long since they invested that kind of draft mm -hmm. capital mm -hmm. into a cornerback. No one expected it. And then I'll also say as much as I like Witherspoon, you know, like there's just sort of the meme of like, this guy's got the, that dog in him. And he like, he really does as a player, like he's 181 pounds, but like the dude plays incredibly physical. Um, I'm just a little bit skeptical about him. You know, I think Christian Gonzalez should have been the number one cornerback in the class. Like, you know, he's, he's longer, he's bigger, he's faster, he's younger. You know, he was a four-star recruit. Devon Witherspoon, like there were kind of complications about this, but the guy was literally a zero-star recruit. You know, like I'm just skeptical about his ability to play at that high level in the NFL. And so taking him number five, when you could have had Jalen Carter, or if you wanted a cornerback, you could have had Christian Gonzalez. That just feels like a little bit of a reach. But if I'm taking a step back and saying the NFL knows more than I do, and, and like, it wasn't just the Seahawks that loved Witherspoon. A lot of teams liked Witherspoon. If you say in the first round, the Seahawks got the top cornerback and the top wide receiver in this class, I mean, that's pretty good, you know? So like, I, I can't, I can't quibble too much with what they did in the first round. After that, I wasn't really thrilled with what they did. They started to do Seahawksy type of things. Uh, you know, Auburn edge rusher, Derek Hall at number 37, that was a reach. And then, you know, taking again, a running back in the second round, like Pete, what are you doing here? You know, you just did that last year. It feels like every three years you're taking a running back in round one and round two. Like, just stop it. You don't need Zach Charbonnet. But, you know, they took the LSU running back in the second round. And, like, I think he's a, a good player. Um, I just don't think you needed him in the second round. Uh, and so what they did after round two uh, and after round one, uh, kind of uninspiring. But I do like what they did in round one. So I'm giving them a B. Yeah, I think Seattle, you know, they, they've they kind of made a habit of going a little bit uh, unorthodox in these drafts, but a lot of times their picks end up looking better um, than they did when they had the draft. Like even, cause I mean, even last year, people were saying, hey, you don't really need Kenneth Walker. Um, and he turned out to be a really good yeah. good pick. And I mean, it, it, we know, I think what, what Seattle's really trying to do is they're saying, okay, like most, you know, uh, a team in our position, we could have been in the market for a quarterback. We, we've committed to Geno Smith. We need to make sure that like things are short up around us. Like I, I think that like with the Charbonnet pick, it's like, you know, Kenneth Walker is great, but sometimes he's impatient. I think Charbonnet has a little more patience, but also yes. if, if Walker gets hurt, I mean, that's like a lot of your offense right there because you're trying to make sure Geno Smith, you know, is surrounded with like a run game and same thing, you know, with Smith, uh, Najigba, it's like, you know, you, you have Lockett, you have Metcalf, but, you know, if one of those guys go down, then what? You know, it's, it's kind of really impacts you. So I think I, I don't mind what Seattle did. And I think I, I do think they're a little bit undervalued in the market just because we're so high in San Francisco. But, you know, we've kind of seen this with San Francisco where they can have really good years. But if like the wrong guy gets hurt, they can also have really bad years. So, um, yeah, I, I like what Seattle did. I think they I think they're a playoff contender this year um, with the roster they have. Yeah, I agree with that. And what I will say about Seattle, like last year, you know, when they had this this almost all-time great type of draft, almost all of the guys that they took, they took it values, like True. relative to what you would see on consensus big board. So, you know, they got two offensive tackles, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Both of those guys went at discounts. Uh, you know, the cornerback that they took and Tyreek Woolen, you know, he was a steep discount relative to where he should have gone, given like the athletic freakiness that he has, right? So I would say they were great last year. 
this year, I think they got Jackson Smith and Jigba at, at a discount. But after that, they didn't take their depth guys at, at a strong discount. So not quite as strong as what we saw last year. So like last year, they went unorthodox, but they did it at a value. This year, they went unorthodox after round one, and it wasn't so much at the value. All right, let's go to the Rams. Uh, they don't pick until round two. They go Steve Avila, the, the guard out of TCU. What did you think of their class? Yeah, I like Avila. Uh, you know, the, went high in the second round. People talked about him as like a, a mauling force, and he can play center too. So there's some versatility there with him. Uh, and then after that, in the third round, Tennessee edge rusher Byron Young. Uh, I think he's a pretty good pick there. And then later, uh, wide receiver um, – Puka Nakua, uh, fifth rounder out of BYU. Uh, I think they actually got him at some value. And then the sixth round, cornerback uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson out of TV uh, TCU. Um, you know, there was some some talk that maybe he could have gone, you know, like third round, fourth round. So getting him in the sixth round, he's a smaller guy. But I mean, I would say like he's sort of like the discount uh, Devin Witherspoon, like smaller guy. But you know, he plays pretty tight. Uh, so I like those picks. They made a ton of picks, but they don't, they didn't have a first rounder. You know, uh, I'm giving them a C plus, like it wasn't a, a terrible draft, but um, outside of the the few players I mentioned, I feel like they didn't really do much to really improve their situation. Actually one guy I, I do want to add a Mississippi running back, Zach Evans. They took him in the sixth round. He was a, I believe a five-star recruit. Uh, four-star at the lowest, but I believe five-star recruit who went to TCU, uh, played there for a couple of years and then transferred to Mississippi. Um, I think there's a chance that he actually becomes their starting running back. Uh, and so to get someone like that in the sixth round, I think, you know, that's good value, but you know, we'll just kind of see across the board. There wasn't anything that was hugely impactful. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rams could end up having a sneaky good draft, but, you know, it's just it's a matter of some of those swings hitting late because, you know, they don't have those premium picks. Um, and then the, the Niners are kind of in that same boat where they don't have the premium picks, you know, because they've been trading trading them away. Uh, I know you did not like the, the Niner draft. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm giving them an F, you know, uh, and it's it's not just because they took a kicker in the third round but it, it pretty much is like, that's enough. like that. That's like sign and symbol of, of the San Francisco 49ers and the way that they have drafted this year and in previous seasons, you know, Jake Moody, the kicker from Michigan that they took at pick number 99 overall. Uh, I mean, why? Like it is so hard to predict how any kicker is going to do in the NFL before he gets here. You know, like Roberto Aguayu, like remember the, yep. the Bucks took him in the second round. Like it's it's just a total waste of draft capital. And when you don't have your first or second rounders because of the Trey Lance trade and then, you know, adding Christian McCaffrey into the mix, um, you got to make sure that your picks in the third round are actually spent on something that matters. And, yeah. you know, kickers like, yes, like they matter, but you can't predict which kicker is going to do well before he gets into the NFL. So uh, like you shouldn't invest that type of draft capital into them. And, you know, their, their pick before that Penn state safety, Jair Brown, like he's okay, but like, he's a bigger guy who's not that fast. Like they might end up just getting special team usage out of him. And then their third, third round pick at pick one one Alabama tight end Cameron Latu, who's like, fine but like this was a great tight end class there were still like really good tight ends available on the board and you took a guy who's probably going to be at best a number two tight end for you after George Kittle and like it's not as if this guy will be a strong number two tight end so this was just not a good class top to bottom and like when you take into account that Trey Lance is still technically part of this draft class because you invested a first rounder in him and you're like thinking about maybe trading him like this is just a total F. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the Niners is they have found some, some diamonds in the rough later in the draft and they did make quite a few day three picks. So we'll see if they unearthed anybody, but yeah, I mean, it was just a combination of not having a lot of capital and then using it very questionably uh, the, the capital that they, the premium capital that they did have, you know, on day two in that third round. So yeah, it was, 
was an odd draft for them. And, um, you know, I, I, that's why I think Seattle is probably a little undervalued here uh, because I think San Francisco kind of peaked last year. Like, I don't, I, you know, as good as, you know, as good as they were, uh, like, or as good as they still look on paper at some spots, I, I don't think it's going to be hard to kind of outdo what they did last year, at least in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's a non-zero chance that San Francisco starts Sam Darnold at some point this year. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, come on. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, Matt. Uh, why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find you and uh, what you're up to? Yeah, so you can find all the work at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle. And, uh, you know, just starting to uh, get into some of the other sports. I'm going to do some projections for uh, for playoff hockey, for uh, yes. you know, all the for player props. You know, I, I did that a few years ago when I was at Action. And, uh, you know, that went well. So going to get back in those streets a little bit. And, uh, you know, just going to start to look a little bit more towards the NFL season. So, you know, start to, you know, build out like all of my projections for the rosters and everything like that. But, you know, going to take a little bit of downtime to relax and then just, you know, get back in the uh, the NFL projection streets. Yeah, man. I mean, you deserve it, man. You've been crushing it. Uh, great follow on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle, as you mentioned. And uh, I'm over there at Chris Rabon. Same handles on the app as well. And if you have not checked out our AFC Draft Raids episode, it's out right now with Matthew Friedman. Go check that out as well. Until next time, let's get this money. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.